TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. 17, blue, 44, split left, ready, set, audible left, audible. Can we get an audible? Somebody on the Chicago Bears, please make an audible. Welcome, everybody. Two guys in a mic show, talkzone.com. Back at you after a beautiful weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope everybody out there had a great sports weekend, or I should say a great weekend, sports and or otherwise. It's the coach and the big dog. At your service on the other side of the glass, uh, David Olson, our fine producer. And, of course, uh, we have a female intern working this week, David. Have we hired anybody? Getting the thumbs down? Still apparently no female intern. Imagine the chagrin. The one thing I was looking forward to. That blows. And it certainly was not talking Chicago Bear football today, but uh, I was looking forward to possibly a brand-new female intern joining us but apparently that is not the case. Let's welcome in uh, via his telecommunicative airwaves out in Aurora, Illinois, my good partner, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, I have not talked to you since the Bears game. I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I'm going to guess not so well. It was an ugly loss, Coach, is the best <laughs> way for me to put it. I mean, how many times can can Mike Williams, who, by the way, had, what, he had 10 catches yesterday. Yep. I think he's got 11 catches in his entire NFL career. Ten of them came yesterday. That was an it was an embarrassment as a Bears fan. They couldn't run the ball. They didn't try to run the ball. It was bad. Coach. I will tell you this in defense of uh, Mike Williams, and if there is not a Mike Williams fan club, I will be the first to join it. When he was a sophomore at USC, and I watched a couple of his games. In fact, I was uh, vacationing out in Southern Cal when he played one of those games. But my comment was when I watched him play, Big Dog, is he might be the best college receiver that I have ever seen and then we all know his pro career went kaput up until yesterday when it went uh kaput right back up yeah yeah i thought he was uh, he's definitely a great and he deserved to be a first team all-american he was definitely the best receiver in the country that year but uh, Mm -hmm. i think it's it's funny that you said that coach because i think the greatest college receiver that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. was drafted by the detroit lions uh the year earlier and was charles rogers of michigan state Mm -hmm. you know that kid was you know there was the Michigan State offense was average you know and the USC offense had uh, Reggie Bush, Lendell White, you know, Matt Liner, uh, five offensive linemen that went to the NFL and he just happened to be the guy that got single covered out there and destroyed everybody. Where Charles Rogers was you know absolutely phenomenal. I don't want to get into the whole Charles Rogers versus Mike Williams pick, mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree with you. He was you know he's without a doubt I think in the top. 20 receivers ever in college history. And just to finish, the Charles Rogers thought his NFL career has not exactly been a standout either, has it? You no, know, no, exactly. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. two. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not as high on Mike Williams as you are, but I will tell you, yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, and Charles Rogers breaks his uh, collarbone in his first mm-hmm. game ever, which he was dominating, by the way, in the NFL, and he became addicted to painkillers. Let that be a lesson. For, forget his NFL career. His life has spiraled out of control 
after he got mm-hmm. addicted to those painkillers, Coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're picking him up on the side of the street with any – you name a drug, Charles Rogers has taken it since. And he at one time he – you know, he was a millionaire playing mm-hmm. NFL football. Very, very sad. sad. Very, very sad. Let that be a lesson to all the superstar college receivers out there who might be skipping class and listening to the two guys in a mic show. They might even be in class with their little portable computer, big dog, but they got the little things in their uh, you know ears. And while the teacher is lecturing on physics or something, they might be listening to our show right now. It's a distinct possibility. I hope some of the wide receivers in college right now listen to your very uh, fruitful words, my friend. You know, I, I don't get those guys that, like, you know, get the NFL, you know, the guys that are NFL, NBA prospects, and they, they're pretty certain that they're going to go to the pros and they don't go to class. Yep. Maybe you don't graduate, but you at least go to class. I mean, make there's it, girls there. You can hit on them. You make know what a I mean? token it's, appearance. At least make it look good to your fellow classmates. Absolutely. I, I totally, agree. totally I, agree. I told you the story way back in the day, and when you talk about my college career, unfortunately, it is way back in the day, but I've told you this before when I was at Tulane University, and I'll yeah. preface the comment by saying three years after I left, the Tulane University football program got, what's the word for it? Uh, uh, disbanded. Yeah. It became defunct. There's, there's a professional collegiate term for it, but got shut down. But I was a uh, physical education major, and a lot of the uh, football players were in Anatomy 001 with me freshman year. And they 001? showed up. Yeah, 001, the first Not class. 101? No, it was 001. That, that's like high school level, isn't it? <laughs> Might have been 101. It was a few years ago, but somehow Anatomy 001 is sticking in my head. I think I got that right, but you might be right. Maybe it was 101. Really doesn't matter. The, the point is they were all in there the first day of class, big dog signing the papers, registering and everything. Never saw them the rest of the semester. And you wonder why uh, the NCAA put a shutdown to the two-lane football program. Well, but, but, but the finish to it is I came back after the holidays, second semester for Anatomy 002. Or it could have been... 102. Could have been 102. I still think it was 002. And the first day of class for Anatomy 002, the next the next level, there all the football players were in shaking hands, registering, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> and never saw them the rest of the time either. So, in example, absolutely, if you're a football player out there... Uh, even if you're listening to the two guys in a mic show, at least make an appearance, right? Hey, did sure. you guys ever beat LSU while you were there? Uh, we did not. The year before I got there. Oh, that would have been unbelievable. Huge victory over LSU. We've done it like four or five times, but when yeah. Tulane beats LSU, like yes. the, whole, the whole city of New Orleans shuts down. I, I had no idea when I went down there how huge that rivalry was, but you're absolutely Right on that. One of our emailers, by the way, a little disappointed that you did not mention, along with Charles Rogers and Mike Williams, Northwestern Zeke Markshausen, among the great college receivers that you've seen. I'll be more than happy to add that to the particular list some other time, Coach. You do remember him last year, the walk, the fifth-year walk-on? Do you remember his game against Auburn in the, yeah. in the in the bowl game? I mean, the kid was awesome. Yeah. He, had, he had a great career. They gave well, the ball to him on the, year. on the trick play. They went for two points, right? Mm-hmm. Pat Fitzgerald trying to write one of the great I – mean, if he if he completes the two-point play and the Wildcats win that bowl game last year, it would have been somebody's writing a book, maybe me, because I've been looking to write a book. Somebody's writing a book on Zeke Markshaus, and it would have been the completion of a storybook career. Didn't have a happy ending, but still, love that guy. Yeah, as somebody who doesn't think spelling and grammar is important wants to write a book. Absolutely. Don't even try, please. Well, who cares about spelling and grammar? Your editor will care dramatically. Well, let the editor correct the spelling and grammar. Big Dude, you want to read a book that's grammatically correct, or do you want to read a book that's well-written and interesting? 
Who the hell cares I, no, about I, I, Grammatically correct is also half the battle, so that's why I can figure out no, if it's it not, is. It's not so, half the battle. It's about 3% of the battle. No, 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 no. When you got, you got to do stuff correctly. I'm not talking about, like, put a comma inside the parentheses. I'm talking about, like, if you don't write stuff properly, I won't know what the heck you're talking well, about. Well, that's different. Never mind. That's a, that's a that, different issue. I, I, no, no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to be right with you there. If it affects the uh, the... the, the the body of the work, the understanding of it, the if your punctuation is so bad and your, your grammar is so bad that it affects your um, the message that you're trying to get across, then absolutely. I got no problem with that. Well, the, the problem I have with English teachers out there, and it's you know it's one of my biggest bugaboos along with the Bears not running the football enough this year, uh, is when a paper is well written. And you can understand it. There's a word misspelled. Everybody knows what the word is, but they misspelled it. And somebody put a comma where a semicolon should be. Didn't affect the reading of the statement or the understanding of that particular paragraph, but technically it's not correct, and you get graded off. That's my issue with the English teacher, not when it legitimately affects the understanding of the paragraph. Then I'm right with you, Doc. I had an English teacher who was a semicolon. He was a semi-something. Sometimes, but some other times, he's a jackass. Yeah. Speaking of semicolons, you're almost, uh, are you... You're getting at the age where you need to think about a good colonostomy doctor. I can give you a recommendation, by the way. Uh, well, I, I might need one because, you know, I, I've been, you know, getting around lately, and that was a pickup line some girl gave me. She's like, hey, you know, you probably need your prostate check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like, two right, separate I'll things. Like, I'll just... do it for you. I was like, well, that's a little too forward. And for all... <laughs> I think she actually likes you. That might have been her pickup line. But let us not confuse the prostate exam. With the colonoscopy, two completely separate things. I don't think we've found a doctor yet, dog, that can put you under and do both the prostrate and the colonoscopy. But if they do, I'll be the first in line to do that. Well, you'll do it or you'll get it? Get it. Okay. Yeah. Why can't you do both? Why can't you have the person do the actual check and then like, they numb you up and then you go under? It's, it's a great question. Because two very unpleasant experiences for most of us, David Olson, maybe you could check with one of our medical personnel, would seem like in this day and age of technology that they could do both the prostrate. How long are we going to delay until we actually talk to bears here? Uh, until they do both the prostrate and the colonostomy and the same thing? It seems like with today's modern medicine that could be accomplished. Or the prostate, either or. What did I say? Prostrate and colostomy is what you've been saying. <laughs> it's prostate and colonoscopy. Close enough. Close enough. How are you, big dog? You behave yourself this weekend. You didn't get in any trouble. You Absolutely know how I look not. at the every weekend in the paper. I look at but after the sports page. A the obituaries. B the crime report. I've told you this before. When I don't see your name in it, I figure the weekend was good. Well, the crime report it could have been me because uh, the way I, I didn't do I didn't pick very well in the games this week. And then the and then the obituaries. Yeah, no one killed me for actually betting on the games that I told them to, uh, to gamble on this particular <laughs> week. So. Yet. Yet it's early. It's only Monday morning. There may be people looking for you. Be careful. Uh, so you went and beat the schmoes. Let's get those results out real quick, and then we'll talk some football, folks. Uh, 888-463-6748. Again, welcome, everybody. Two guys in a mic show. TalkZone.com. It's our football roundup show. We'll get into some baseball, too. We'll jump off the sports page. A couple other news and notes to get to. But NFL and college football, certainly first and foremost. On the docket, you want to talk with us. We are more than willing to do so. In fact, we're excited. To do so with you, the listener, 888-463-6748. Dial it up, talk about your favorite game, your favorite team. You want to complain, you want to compliment, or anywhere in between, we're right here 
for you. Beat the Smooths football predictions from Friday, Big Dog. You went one and two. Yeah. I. Uh, it, it was a team effort. Team effort. I went one and two, and producer extraordinaire David Ols his third consecutive one and two week. How will you explain that, Big Dog? Uh, luckily, people didn't hear the rest of my picks because every single one of them <laughs> lost by like a half a point. I went one and six. Yeah. Ooh. On the Big Dog versus the spread. Oh. Which puts wow. me at sixteen and eleven on the wow. year for those particular picks. One and six. Yeah, and I'm not kidding you, Coach. Every single one of those games, if you looked at it, you would just laugh. You'd be like, are you kidding me? Well, my uh, Alabama had the fumble on the four-yard line. Uh, Mississippi got the chief touchdown. That was the difference in the mm-hmm. game. I mean, it was uh, it was bad, Coach. It was bad. It well, was I bad. lost uh, one game, the Houston Texans versus um, Kansas City Chiefs by a half a point. David Olson, our producer, also got nipped in a half a point in the San Francisco Oakland game, seven and a half point. Frisco's the favorite. They win by eight to the half a point. Got us this. We always emphasize, don't forget the half a point. This week in particular, Big Dog came into play. Well, I, I will tell you this. David Olson truly got screwed over in that game, okay, because it was a late touchdown. Oakland was winning the whole entire game. You didn't. The Chiefs dominated and should have won the football game. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm not ripping you. I'm just, just saying, like, the, the half a point really affected David. You not yeah. so much because yeah, uh, right. the, the, the Texans got uh, that drive at the end of the game. First of all, Brandon Flowers was that was not interference. That was ridiculous. And then uh, you know, and then they scored the touchdown late to uh, lose by four instead of four and a half. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but but the Texans showing some resilience because they got killed for the first fifty-two minutes of that game. Yeah, it's a four-quarter game. They dominated the fourth quarter, but you're right, Kansas City Chiefs all over them for. Uh, Three quarters. They've been a very impressive team this year. You're actually right about that. It's not that. It's not like I got nipped out by half a point. Kansas City outplayed them, so you don't feel so bad. It was a touchdown pass. A lot of people thought Houston should have kicked the field goal at that point, but they decided to go for another strike. And sure enough, Matt Schaub hits uh, who else but Andre Johnson, right? 28 yards, touchdown, and down go the KT Chiefs. You know, when you're playing Andre Johnson, they decided to play a zone. Yep. You know, it, if you're going to go zone against the Texans, you say, all right, we're all going to go zone, but we're going to take our biggest defensive back and just you just follow Andre Johnson. I mean, that, yep. that's what I would do, seriously. But they didn't. They lose. Very, very sad. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a coach at your service talking some football from over the weekend. Big Dog, we got to talk about our favorite team, the Chicago Bears. They lose at home. To a weak Seattle team, although we all found out Seattle's not as weak as we thought. But uh, a miserable performance by the Bear. Let me remind you that our first touchdown, one of our few touchdowns the whole game, was basically we got a friendly interference call that was the big part of that touchdown. So yeah, Good point. That, yeah. was a, that was an excellent point. Yeah, so we, we got beat worse than the score, but it was uh, – see- Here's my analysis. Seattle played real well and the Bears didn't. How's that for breaking it down? Yeah, that, that is a perfect way. And how about the coaching? In that game, Brutal. one team coached absolutely phenomenal, and the other coach team coach was coached horrible. You know, honestly, I'm watching that game, and I wasn't sure what Seattle was going to do on offense, no matter what. It was like, and it seemed like every play that they did worked perfectly. And how about their scheming defensively? Are you trying? Why couldn't they adjust to just have their tackles turn out and pick up a defensive back blitzing? I mm-hmm. mean, if it happens once, you're like, hey, you know what? That shouldn't happen, but it's football. When it happens like five or six times, don't you? But you get a little, start getting a little upset about it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, how many times did DBs just come flying off the edge and drill color? Yeah, I can't figure out if it was our, first of all, our blitz pickup was just atrocious. And I 
Don't know, Big Dog, you played the game at the highest level except high school, college, and pro. You would probably know better. Is that a uh, mental mistake by the tackle? Is there supposed to be someone picking up that blocker like a running back? Or if they blitz from the ends like that, is there supposed to be the hot read? Is Jay Cutler supposed to hit somebody? It's, well, yeah, it, it's both It's both Cutler and it's both the offensive line. But, but here's here's what happens. Since the, the offensive tackle wasn't blocking anybody, basically what happens is you hit the, the guard – on, on all those plays, whether it was the right tackle, Jamarcus Webb, or was it the left tackle, uh, Frank, oh, my God, um, Omeye. <laughs> what, what ends up happening is when there's somebody over the guard and the guard is picking that guy up, yep. keep your hand on that guy to kind of like, it isn't a double team, but you're just that's, that's how you create the space. And then you immediately turn your head to the outside. Mm-hmm. That's what you all, that's all you have to do, Coach. Is, and, and then, oh, hey, there's a blitz, and then you slide out and you pick up the blitz and uh, – Listen, uh, defensive back. Mm-hmm. Well, what they were doing is the Bears would be like, oh, no one is coming in my gap. So then they would double down and start hammering the guy in the guard while they leave the defensive back to come flying in. Okay. So, okay. So now this is where I don't know if it's Cutler's fault or not because technically the tackle should have picked those guys up, not once or twice, every single time, coach. Mm-hmm. So maybe when Cutler's like, oh, okay, well, that guy might come free. Well, the tackles are going to get him because it wouldn't make any sense. It's not like the tackle's not going to block anybody. Uh-huh. Well, that's exactly what they did. They never blocked anybody. And uh, but still, if you know those guys are coming out, you got to get the ball out right behind them, right where they blitz from, is where the ball should be going. And, and so. the third part of that is your receivers have to realize that the blitz is coming, and they got to turn around and look too. It was hard to tell on the TV screen, but that's the third part of that equation, oh, right? Your receivers the, have to make the hot read also. But the Mike Mark offense, you know, you run to a spot, you don't mm-hmm. just, you know, all that other crap. Mm-hmm. I was hoping your explanation was going to be – I was hoping there was something more complicated because the way you describe it is exactly the way who it looked to myself and the many others that careers ended in eighth grade playing flag football in physical education class because that's the way it looked. Is You know, you got a guy inside, you locate outside. If there's nobody coming outside, you go double. If there is a guy coming, it's not like yeah. they were delayed rushes. They weren't doing anything tricky. They were basically sneaking in and boom. On the snap of the ball, they were attacking Cutler. So if it's as simple as you're making a scene, that is pretty much an indictment of our tackles at Jamarcus Webb and Frank. Please don't call me Omi God, Omi A. You know, Coach, it's not rocket science. Football, there's there's very few things that are really, really complicated. Don't tell Mike Martz that. Yeah, it's not that complicated, seriously. I I can get into all of the things. If you want to get into something that's kind of complicated, the fact that every time the Bears play cover two, mm-hmm. well, guess what? When they knew they were on cover two, the wide receivers for the Seahawks yep. would fly up the sidelines and sit down in the well in between where the yeah. corner let them go and before the safety can get over there. And uh, Hasselbeck would hit the guy for a 15-yard game. You yep. know what I'm talking about? They right yep. on the sideline, yep. about 15 yards up the field. That's called the well in 2D. And check this out. Right, like They would make the break right on the line of scrimmage. So the wide receiver would take like his three steps. Oh, they're in cover two. Boom, he goes up the sideline. And if they were like uh, in cover three or man, they would stop with their like their outside foot and break in and do a slant. And mm-hmm. Hasselbeck would hit them for like a five or six yard game. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, you play cover two, you can't go deep. Yeah, you go deep, you go deep right up the sidelines, just the way the Seahawks did, what, about ten times yesterday? How many times did you see somebody catch the ball right on the sidelines 15 yards deep yesterday? Mm-hmm. We've it's, often said the uh, you know the cover two defense, just you know cover somebody, 
I don't care if it's cover one, cover three, or cover two, cover somebody, and you're exactly right. They found the pockets in the passing game. They didn't throw too many bombs, but Matt Hasselbeck, by no, the way. No. I think one thing we underestimated, not that he's uh, you know the second coming of Johnny Unitas, Matt Hasselbeck, he's a pro's pro. He gets the ball out. He does. That's for me to say. Mm-hmm. You know, like they always thought, well, yeah, color can move in the pocket. And the Hasselbeck is awesome at that. He drops back, he steps up, he slides over, and it's just like quick release. Like he's rolling the dice, pow, and, it's, and the ball's out of there. So, mm-hmm. Now, something else I've always said, and there's so many things you can break down here in any Chicago Bear fans listening in our fine Chicago area here. Feel free to give us a call in the ball game. You want to talk uh, pluses, minuses, everything in between, or maybe you just want to forget the game and talk about the Redskins next week. NFL round them up, wrap them up coming up in a little bit, too. We'll go over all the NFL games. 888-463-67. 48-888-463-6748. Big Dog, one of the things I've always advocated, and very few coaches and teams and players agree with me, second half, not so much the first half. In the second half, if you've got the play clock running out or if you've got a little confusion, I've always said it as a coach, take the penalty. I'd rather take the five yards and save my timeouts. Yeah. And again yesterday, consistently, now this is a sign of well-coached teams or not well-coached teams, consistently this year, and it happened again yesterday, the Bears are using early timeouts, particularly in the second half. It happened in the first half, too. And we had a chance, not likely, but a chance to win the game if we get the ball back late. And because of our disorganization, we have no timeouts left. I say take the five-yard penalty. I don't want it. Be organized. Shouldn't come down to that. But if it comes down to it, don't call timeout. Take the five-yard penalty. Your thought. Coach, you know I'm agreeing with you because I've, I've always agreed with you when this is like your pet thief. Unless it's like a third and one situation, yep. don't, don't call it a timeout because especially with the way the Bears run the ball, the difference between third and two and third and seven is negligible at this particular time. It's not like they can hand it off to somebody and get two yards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and maybe I'm being a little too harsh on the Bears by saying that, but but it's the truth. And also get the plays in a little faster. Why are you doing this? And And, and – and especially like if it's first down or something like that, you can make it back up. And, and everyone's like, "Oh, call the timeout! Call the timeout!" Unless it's a critical game situation, your timeout is much more important than those particular five yards. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's one of those things important. where it's like, um, you know, like a bad habit where it's easy to do at the time you smoke that cigarette, and then later on you think about what that thing could be doing to your health, or you eat a couple of hamburgers. Later on, you sit back and say, oh, boy, I should not have done that. It's a simple matter of discipline at the time. The five-yard penalty, oh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, we, we want to get organized. We don't want to take the penalty. You forget. You forget that late in the game, in a close ball game, when the other team's got the ball, and you got a hot quarterback, and you got one chance, that's just give us the football. We know we can get down the field, and you can't call the timeout. How painful that is, Big Dumb. You can relate it to like almost, you know, a person's medical condition. It's an it's an easy fix at the time, forgetting the pain okay, you got, that can you happen an later on. Genius. Brilliant analogy by myself, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you have a you have an offensive genius in Mike Mark. Okay, the football is opposed offensive genius. Can't they have like some type of safe play every single week against a particular type mm-hmm. of defense? Like, hey, we messed up the call. We're not sure what to do. And I know they might not like it, but like maybe we'll just run the ice though, you know, and they and they gain two yards on it, so it's second and eight instead of first and fifteenth, or more importantly, blowing your your timeout. Mm-hmm. I mean, why can't they do just something like that? You know, I mean, like oh, there's some type of screw up. This play isn't good. We're just gonna try to get out of here without uh, turning the ball over on this play and let's regroup on the next snap. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more, Coach. Mm-hmm. You never know when that play is going to be that wins the game. That That is true, like the whole Vince Lombardi thing. Now, you mentioned earlier running the football. That's the big talk on this game. 59 plays. Our beloved Bears ran 47 passes, 12 runs. And I feel I feel awkward criticizing slash mentioning this big dog because for so many years we talked about the need for the Bears to open up their offense and be more aggressive and to pass the ball more, not just run, run, just throw, and throw. I just balance, Coach. All those years I wanted balance. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted uh, the quarterback to be able to go down the field and try to score points. I, I, again, now we go to the total drastic other end of the spectrum, Coach. Drive me crazy. Yeah, and especially coming off of, you know, a big running game. And I, I'm kind of with you because I'm, I'm all for the throwing the ball downfield. I'm thoroughly enjoying that aspect of our offense this year. We're actually throwing the 18-yard, the 17-yard, the 23-yard pass, sometimes effectively, sometimes not. But at least we're trying to throw it downfield like actual NFL team. But, boy, they've, I mean, they've gone the other extreme just totally, totally forgetting. It's not like the running game wasn't working. They never gave it a chance yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. That's You're exactly right, Coach. And and and. I don't know really how effective it was. I don't know in those 12 runs what they actually got yardage-wise. But it was like they just abandoned it, and there was really no reason to at that particular time. And the whole thing is you've got a, you've got a quarterback coming off a concussion. you got a, 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 an offensive line that's having a very difficult time picking up blitzes. That's when you run the ball. You've got to run the ball in those particular situations. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't make any sense, Coach. It's like they're trying to outthink themselves. Yeah, I can't think of a real long run that we had. The best run was Matt Forte's touchdown run, which if you watch the replay, blocking was pretty good, but he got uh, he got hit, and he just fought his way into the end zone. That was, what, about a six, seven-yard pickup. That was the best run. But Great run. Yeah, the one up the middle that made yes. it 7 nothing, I believe, right? Yeah, that was the first touchdown of the game after the 58-yard pass interference penalty. By the way, that's a rule the NFL needs to change, in my opinion. If it's not, there should be, like, the flagrant interference and the incidental interference. If it's a regular pass interference, 15 yards. To me, unless the guy just totally yanks the guy down, the referee should have some subject objectivity, some subjectivity, whatever the hell it might be. If it's a flagrant foul, to say, hey, that pass was going to be caught from the point of. But most pass interference penalties, big dog, down the field, questionable. They shouldn't get 40 or 50 yards. should be 15 yards. Uh, that's, that's not a bad call, Coach. Thank not you. A bad. By the way, a pass interference penalty was called uh... – on uh, the the Broncos yesterday that cost them the football game, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't pass interference; it was more of a face mask. Yep. Did you did you see the play I was talking about? I did not. Yeah, that's you know the you know it's funny in, in college needs to add uh, the ability to move the ball down the field because you'll mm-hmm. see in college because it's only 15 yards no matter what. If somebody is absolutely beat brutally, you yep. know, 40 yards down the field, they'll just trip a guy. And all of a sudden, you know, instead of a you know a forty-yard gain that could possibly go for a touchdown, it's yeah. only a fifteen-yard penalty. Yeah. So college needs to add that, and mm-hmm. the NFL needs to also you know they they need to do both. I yeah. I, I agree with you on that one, coach. Yeah. This isn't good. We're agreeing way too much today. This normally doesn't happen. Yeah, don't don't worry. As the week goes on, that'll lessen. I can guarantee that. Big dog and the coach talk. It's a football Bears football game. NFL round them up, wrap them up. We'll get to college football too. Big weekend of. Uh, College football, but uh, you were talking about the quarterback and the concussion and the concussed. It, it occurred to me at some point um, late yesterday after watching the Bears game when it all set in a little bit, Big Dog, is there the possibility? And, and keep in mind, not just this year, remember what Jay Cutler was like last year. 
getting through all the X's and O's, run too much, pass too much, play action fake, who are we throw into receivers? Is there just a possibility Jay Cutler is not as good as we think? Uh, absolutely, Coach, because uh, maybe it's the players around him, maybe it's the coaching staff, and I'm not just talking about Mike Martz, I'm just mm-hmm. talking about Bears coaching in general. Because let me think about something. Hmm. Who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year? Oh, Kyle Orton is over there. So it's funny. He leaves the Bears. He was really good last year. Won a lot of games with the Broncos. He's playing phenomenal this particular season. The only uh, They would have won yesterday against uh, everybody's Super Bowl favorite, the, the New York Jets, if it wasn't for that crazy pass interference call at the end of the game. Uh, and if you, who knows, he gets the ball back in his hands. Uh, they might end up winning that game because if he, they lost because the center snapped the ball like seven feet to, to, to Kyle Orton's left. You know I mean, right now, would you who would you rather have? Would you rather have that first round draft pick last year and and Kyle Orton, mm-hmm. or would you rather have Jay Cutler right now? It's tempting. It's tempting. I, I know what I would rather have. Yeah. I wish they never made that trade. Yeah, you know we all think, and there's no question. Well, first of all. You have to credit Jay Cutler's toughness. There's no question of that. The guy has been absolutely drilled that he does get back up, so I respect that. And there's also no question that on occasion he can throw just an unbelievable pass. Arm strength, he can pinpoint it. So those two things are a given, Big Dog. The ability to make the great pass on occasion and his toughness, but his inconsistency and his ability to throw interceptions, if you want to call it that, those two things will kill you. And you know what? It's so funny. When he's steps into the throw and actually has good form, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. The only problem is how many passes a game does he do that? He throws off his back foot. He, he throws running backwards. When no one's even around him to hit him, you know, and, and, I mean, when people are going to hit him, I understand that totally. I'm not going to bust the guy for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, eight, ten times a game, he's pedaling backwards when he doesn't have to, and he's – like making more difficult, he's like shooting the fadeaway jumper when he's wide open. Mm-hmm. Is the only way, the only analogy I can put it. And some people would say that's because of the bare offensive line the last couple of years. That maybe he's just he's become antsy now and just continues yeah. to do it. Yeah. Then why does he step up every once in a while and like that throw mm-hmm. he made to Johnny Knox over the middle, mm-hmm. where Johnny Knox was uh, it was like about 15 yards down the field. Johnny Knox ran a long way afterwards. I mean, he stepped up into and threw an absolute bullet that was a perfect pass, right? You know, it was like he stepped into it, followed through. He looked like a freaking quarterback right there. That was the best ball I think I've ever seen Jay Cutler throw. And, like, the play before, he was falling off his back foot and threw one out of bounds, and the guy was wide open. I'm like, why? There was No one was in his face either time. So why does he throw a perfect one yeah. attempt and throw it like uh, – I don't know, like like he's pristy on the other end. Mm-hmm. It's all about technique, my friend, all about technique. All right, Big Dog, we got to take a quick break. We'll talk some more NFL football. Definitely want to bring up college football, another number one team, getting knocked off in the, the Big Dog's beloved fighting Illini laying. Well, I don't know about a complete egg, but at least three quarters of one as well. We're going to yeah, take a quick break. Uh, by the way, up on the screen, Big Dog, they were just doing a commercial for Cinnamon Crunched Toast Cereal, which has become clearly, Clearly the number one ranked cereal for the young teenagers in uh, my particular household and their friends. I ask you, Big Dog, when push comes to shove, in the morning when you open up the cupboard, what is your number one cereal you go for? Maybe on a on a bare Sunday morning you want to be up and ready for the ball game. Uh, and Coach, I've, I've explained this to you many, many, many times. Cereal is, a, is like a, a late afternoon food for me. Uh. In the morning, uh, I'm, I'm making myself like an egg wrap. With a lot of cheese, 
make myself a lot of fat, as much fat as I possibly uh, can in the morning. Coach. Let's stick to the cereal theme. Then when you pull it out in the afternoon when you open up your cupboard, are you a cinnamon toast crunch guy and maybe a golden graham, God forbid, tricks or uh, possibly Captain Crunch? Uh, tricks are for kids. I definitely like, and hookers. I like, uh, <laughs> I definitely like uh, uh, cinnamon toast crunch. It's, it's, really? It's whatever cloudy sits up in there, Coach. That's, that's, that has become, I'm telling you, I don't know if you're, you got young kids, David Olson, but that's become the uh, New England Patriots of cereals, the Boston Celtics of cereals, cinnamon crunch toast. Dominant. Cinnamon is delicious, Coach. Yeah, my kids get too much sugar as it is. I don't don't need them getting that wound up that early in the morning. So yeah, yeah. and you know exactly, Dad. You get these kids eating that much sugar in the morning. You're, then they're then they're craving sugar the rest of the day. If you eat sugar that early in the morning, the crash is about to happen. Usually, it's like in their <laughs> their second class of the day. Oh, football expert, medical nutritionist Joel Redwanski. We'll take a quick break. Back in a minute. Talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic. Big dog and a coach. Back in thirty nine point two seconds. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com hey we do welcome you back right on take 39.2 seconds exactly we are uh very technically oriented everything is bit by bit piece by piece on this show big dog we follow the script that David Olson gave us and basically rarely stray from that script. Uh, by the way, did you get out? I know you watched a lot of football. You said you were going to be horizontal a good part of this weekend watching primarily football with uh, just you and your significant remote control. But did you get out a little bit and enjoy the beautiful, beautiful autumnal air, possibly a bicycle ride for the big dog? Uh, like I told you, Coach, I do enough of that every other day of the week. I woke up on Saturday and... Uh, Nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Actually, like a uh, Saturday, I woke up kind of late. I have to admit, I, I had a bunch of stuff I had to do on Friday, but I watched football all day long, all week. I actually on Saturday morning, I woke up in the city. That was I had way too much fun on Friday night, Coach. I had uh, I ended up doing a thing where I interviewed this new up and coming band. Mm-hmm. Okay, that everybody is raving about here in the city. So I had to interview them. And the drummer for Umphreys McGee. I don't know. You probably haven't heard of my guarantee. Dave Olson has. Umphreys McGee? Yeah, well, is that the group or the drummer? The, well, the the group, but the okay. drummer of Umphreys McGee, okay, is now in this band, okay, mm-hmm. called the Two Grams. Okay. It's not a drug reference. It probably is, though, because these guys were whacked out, okay, but uh, <laughs> um, there's two guys in the band called Graham. Okay. So I just, it was kind of funny, Two Grams. Uh-huh. You know? So everyone's like, oh, what, what, what are they on, like crystal meth or something? <laughs> well, so. You know, I'm trying to interview this guy, and like, well, next thing I know, this the the drummer for Humphrey McGee's is like Joel, and I don't know this guy at all. Okay, and I'm like, what? He's like, it's Chris. 
I start talking to this guy, and everyone's like, dude, no one respected me in the room. And all of a sudden, like, the number one guy in there recognized me from somewhere, and then everybody loved me after that. And you have no idea where he knew you from? <laughs> yeah, but somebody was like, dude, that's Chris so-and-so from Humphreys. He's like, yeah, Chris, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> so you pretend- yeah, so uh, after that, you know, and then uh, Rob came up with the camera, and then they were like, "Oh, this guy like does television." It was pretty mm-hmm. funny, Coach. I went from being like, "Oh, who is this guy in the dressing room in in our mm-hmm. area?" and like all the friends of those people. The next thing you know, everybody was like hanging around me. Hey, what do you want to drink? What do you want the blankety blank? It was pretty funny, Coach. <laughs> I feel like I'm totally out of it, uh, David Olson, our fine producer. Maybe you're aware, but I have not um, heard of. The fine group, Umphreys McGee. Is that, uh, have you heard of them, Dan? Can't say that I have. Interesting. Oh, I thought, I, well, they're Umphreys. like, uh, they're like a Dave Matthews style okay. band. And they're a Chicago band. Cool. They're like not as big as like Wilco, but mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they're, they're decently big. I bet yeah. you they've, like, they've sold at least 100,000 CDs or so. Yeah. Well, if they want to debut a brand new song or do an interview at TalkZone.com, two guys in a mic would be happy to further the career of Umphreys McGree and the dreaded two grams. I'm 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 pretty sure that uh, <laughs> that XRT is taking uh, taking care of all that stuff, Coach. XRT or two guys in a mic show? Come on, that's a good point because mm-hmm. there's nobody funny over there at XRT. Yeah. Well, XRT is fifty thousand watt, uh, you know, radio station in the city of Chicago. Two guys in a mic. You tell the fine drummer from Umphreys McGee that we're kicking out to seven different continents in parts of Idaho and Montana as well. We're on the internet. We're big time. You're big dog. <laughs> We've often said we're the best show on radio. All we need is listeners. Yeah, I really wanted to ask him how the guy knew me. I really wanted to, but then he would have realized that I didn't know him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just had a good time. How you been? How's your mm-hmm. girl? All that other stuff. Mm-hmm. By know, the way, so I did have pretty- a, a, a brief musical experience myself over the weekend. Went to see Million Dollar Quartet. Are you familiar with that particular play? I've uh, I've heard of it. I have not seen it, though, Coach. Apparently based on a true story back in the day uh, when the, the one time that four superstars got together and actually cut some songs, it was Elvis Presley, uh, Carl Perkins. Carl Perkins, who was the original Elvis. Yeah. He, he was the one who created Blue Suede Shoes before Elvis mm-hmm. basically stole it from him, right? Yes. Or so says the show. Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, and then uh, my guy Johnny Cash. And they was all Johnny got... The- was All Jerry got Lee to... Lewis? Huh? Never mind. Go ahead, Coach. No, take it easy on Jerry Lee. I will. Yeah, I, had a, I got all kinds of jokes on him. The cousin was not in the story. I can just okay, end good. that part of it. Yeah, but uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Good music. Love Johnny Cash, by the way. Give me a little Folsom no. Prison Blues. Did they Did they make him the dark, creative yes. one? Absolutely. Okay. Well, each character, and then the guy who played Johnny Cash probably nailed Johnny Cash better than the Elvis was weak, quite frankly. The other two guys were decent, but Johnny Cash was right on. Hello. That's awesome. I'm Jetta Cash. You know why he wears black, by the way? Because he's going to a funeral. No. I don't know. He wore black in honor of all the uh, downtrodden people, the people in prison, the disadvantaged, the handicapped, the poor, the homeless. That's why he wore black, to honor those that did not have as much. I, I will have to admit, Joaquin Phoenix did a, a phenomenal job. Yes, and yes. That movie is great. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yep. So. 
All right, we'll take, uh, no, we're not going to take a quick break. We just took a quick break. Let's get back to the football action here. 888-463-6748. We got an NFL. Round them up, wrap them up, ready to go. We'll go over those games real quick. And then, Big Dog, with your permission, we'll finish the show talking about your favorite sport, Saturdays in college football. You good to go? It sounds good to me, Coach. All right, quick little round them up, wrap them up. There was uh, some very, very good NFL action yesterday. David Olson, our producer. Let's kick in some music and go over some of those games. NFL, round them up and wrap them up. All right, big dog, let's start off with Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Pretty good ball game here. The Redskins, they're coming into Chicago next week. Came back, made it a close one. Indy pulls it out. 27-24, Peyton Manning and my guy, Pierre Garcon. Had a great ball game. Yeah, Pierre Garcon had one of the greatest catches of this particular season yesterday. It was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, uh, another game where timeouts were needed by a team at the end. And, and the Redskins did not have them. But, uh, you know, when you run the ball with Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. good things will absolutely happen. But the only problem is their running back, Joseph Adai, had a bad neck going into that game yesterday. And he was hurt seriously yesterday, Coach. So hopefully it's not like a... A That's season it. or a career-ending thing with his neck issue because that that hit London Fletcher put out in this day was brutal. Just a bad brutal. neck. That's all it was. Yeah, just a neck. Tape it up and get back out there, guys. Soft. <laughs> all right, game two of the docket. Great ball game again, and it went overtime. There was a couple of those puppies in the NFL yesterday. The Green Bay Packers keep the Bears in first place. Let me say that again. Bears are in first place. Miami twenty-three, Packers twenty in overtime. Dan Carpenter forty. Four-yard field goal. This is a good ball game, Big Dog. Yeah, and by the way, Dan Carpenter's got himself a serious, serious leg. Uh, the Dolphins, you know what? They're a pretty decent ball club. Yep. Pretty decent ball club. So uh, the, the Packers had way too many injuries, and and they're limping around right now. I, I think the Bears can cruise into the playoffs this year at 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be lucky to go 8-8. Eight and eight. By the way, Chad Hanna, Hanna, Hanna hit Brandon Marshall 10 times for 127 yards. Pretty impressive. Right there. How about Minnesota knocking off Dallas 24-21? Two teams desperate for a victory. We said it was going to be a good ball game. It was. The Vikings prevail, and the Cowboys are 1-4. Big deal. Who would have thunk it? Uh, Coach, the way they have played football this year, it's pretty obvious. They throw the ball every freaking down, and they commit penalty after penalty after penalty. It's really no surprise that they're 1-4 at this particular time. Somebody, by the way, in the celebration after the game, I did get a text of Brett Favre's calf muscle. What can I tell you? I've got a lot of Brett Favre material that's going to be used tomorrow when we shoot that big dog versus the spread. Coach. Post-game celebration. If you want a picture of uh, Brett Favre's calves, I can send that to you. Next game on the docket, let's stick with the NFC Central, the Giants and the Lions. The Lions are hanging tough. Their record is not pretty, but they're playing good football. The Giants survive. Three wins in a row for NYG. They win 28-20, and the Lions lose another quarterback, big dog Sean Hill. Down goes Sean Hill. Yeah, and uh, the the quarterback that's playing now, Drew Stanton, is probably just as good yes. as Matt Stafford He's not bad. or Sean Hill. Yep. Uh, trust me, Coach, this is one of the most under – I think I would rather have him playing than Jay Cutler. I know people might mm-hmm. be crazy, think I'm crazy saying that. Mm-hmm. It is a freak of an athlete, and he's a heck of a quarterback. He'll end up being all right for them. I'm not kidding you. And by the way, and Sue, oh, my goodness, Coach. Thank God for the Red Zone channel. I, all you got to do is just watch the Lions game and just watch what he does to people. This, this, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. 
And you I'm were, not kidding you. You were one of the ones that said uh, the, the St. Louis Rams should have picked Nadama Kinsu over Sam Bradford as the first and, overall pick. Sam Bradford's played pretty well, though. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you straight up right now, I was wrong. Sam Bradford deserved to be the number one overall pick. But if you if you're gonna get to the Rams, I'll talk about that. But Nadama Kinsu will be a Hall of Fame football player, though. Uh, next up for the docket, Ben Roethlisberger returns. He wasn't sure if there'd be boos or cheers. There was 20 people, I think, 20, outside protesting. But the other 65,000 were all cheering for him when he came out, and he lived up to the cheers dog. They beat the hapless Cleveland Browns 28-10, to Roethlisberger 3 touchdowns. By the way, Cleveland is officially adapted as part of their nickname. They're not the Browns. They are now known as the hapless Browns. Oh, that's not bad. That fits perfectly. Well, it's not so- good, but that's, it's accurate. Yeah, they've at least made the playoffs one time since they've been brought back to the NFL in 1999. Yep. You know, Roethlisberger handled those people protesting really well. They went up to him, hey, that's a really nice sign that you made. Hey, by the way, you got a sister? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any daughters out here? Anybody know where the chicks are at? Oh, goodness. Oh. By the way, the, 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 remember the famed dog pound in Cleveland? Yeah. One of the so. great symbols of National Football League. The dog pound is still there at Seoul. Broken up now. They're actually allowing other animals into the dog pound. A couple of cats. A squirrel, I think, snuck in. They got a little... Uh, there little... was a jackal there the last time I saw. Very sad. Very sad. They don't have enough dogs. They're letting other animals in. That's how it's sad things have gotten for the Cleveland hapless Browns. Uh, next up on the docket, pretty good game. Philadelphia taking on Atlanta. Philadelphia Eagles, awfully good. Quarterback controversy, well... Whichever guy is injured, the other guy's playing really well. Kevin Cobb back in as the starter. Michael Vig on the bench. Kevin Cobb was outstanding. Three touchdown passes, and the Eagles beat a good Falcon team 31 to 17. Go gangrene. Not even as close as that, coach. It was a big lead, uh, real early. And, uh, hey, uh, I was going to tip my hat to, you know, Kevin Cobb threw for 300 yards and won for the first time in mm-hmm. his career. Because that was his third 300 yard game and only, it only five starts. But yeah, they, they got it done. And the story of that game, not only is the fact that Michael Vick wasn't on the sidelines, he, he wanted to watch the game from uh, from the locker room, but mm-hmm. was the, the, the hit that Deshaun Jackson took, Coach. Did not see Oh, it. my goodness. Uh, Dante Robinson hit him right in the helmet-to-helmet contact. He was totally knocked out unconscious. He's going to miss a couple weeks. Did you see the hit, Coach? I did not. Well, basically, you know, when there's a zone, when when you're playing zone in football, if you're a wide receiver, you're supposed to sit down. But that means you're supposed to stop and, and mm-hmm. find a seam and, and get, you know, your numbers big to the quarterback so he can mm-hmm. hit you. You don't run through it. Okay. Well, he decided to run through it, which means that there's somebody waiting for you eventually. And, oh, my goodness, he got hit. It's, it's it, like it's NFL crunch course type style hit. It's that bad. Was it harder than uh, Bears Earl Bennett putting the hit on uh, punter John Ryan? Uh, it was a lot harder than that, oh, Coach. Okay. A lot harder. And because uh, it was helmet to helmet, it's the hardest hit of the day, by the way, was what Jerome Harrison put on Joshua Cribbs, who was mm-hmm. running with the football, and he hit him helmet to helmet and spun him like a top mm-hmm. and knocked Joshua Cribbs totally out, too. One of, our assistant, one of our assistant producers on the show, a big fan of the helmet to helmet contact. And he didn't like football either, interestingly enough. Well, well what type of helmet to helmet is he talking about? Next game up in the docket, New England taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Two of the best in the NFL was expected to be a great game. A lot of the times 
Those games don't live up to expectations. This one did. It was a dogfight. Great NFL game. The Patriots pull it out in overtime, 23-10. to Deion Branch, by the way, with nine receptions. New England not missing Randy Moss at all, big dog. Nine receptions, 98 yards. Sometimes the addition by subtraction. You know, you, you get a guy like Moss, he leaves. And I like Randy Moss. I'm not, I'm not ripping him here, but mm-hmm. you, know, you get a guy like Moss and his ego and his distraction. He leaves, and all of a sudden, 52 other guys really want to say, hey, we could win without this guy. And then the guy replacing him happens to be just a, I'm going to shut up, run my route, and catch every single ball that you throw to me type wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The type that wins championships. Should like mention it was... Sorry, Big Dose. Uh, Stephen Kotkowski, 35-yard field goal to win it for New England as they come back from down 10 in the fourth quarter. Great ball game there. Houston knocks off Kansas City. We talked about this one a little bit. 10-point uh, fourth quarter comeback. Houston wins 35-31 on a touchdown pass. 28 seconds left. Tough break for the Chiefs because they really dominated the game, didn't they, Doug? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they, it was a definite dominated, domination of, of the line of scrimmage, the game. Thank, thank goodness for the red zone channel, Coach. I absolutely love that that channel. I still have not um, I've not gone red zone yet. You don't have NFL Network? I don't. I don't oh, think I do. I have no idea ch- what it's like. You don't know what it's like on a Sunday? I might have it. I don't even know. I might have it. I haven't searched for it. The red zone. I did check out the blue zone channel, and uh, that's some interesting action. But I have is not that checked a out. College football one? Uh, no, it's not football. Moving quickly, St. Louis knocked off San Diego twenty to seventeen. The St. Louis Rams, who would have thunk it four and two, and the San Diego Chargers leading right now for the most disappointing team in your National Football League. I don't know if it's the Chargers. This got to be the Cowboys at this point. Yeah, but you're right. Definitely the the Chargers are in the team picture, Coach. Yep. I'll, I'll give you that much. But uh, you know the Chargers always start out slow. That's why there isn't panic. Over there, but hey, you know, let's tip our hat because you know I know Detroit was 0-16 two years ago, and and they only won two games last year. But I honestly believe this: St. Louis was worse than Detroit both those seasons. Even though I know St. Louis eked out a win versus Detroit in the 0-16 year, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really think St. Louis has been abysmally bad, like I, like disgustingly bad. For the fact that they're four and two right now. It shows you that they made the right choice taking Sam Branford, and I was totally wrong. I, I was like, you know, you got to take Sue that because I just thought it was too much of a gamble to give some kid to play quarterback. You know that I didn't think he was going to be ready for three or four years, fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. I was one hundred percent wrong. My goodness, Sam Branford might be the best number one draft pick uh, by a quarterback since Peyton Manning. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Peyton Manning, but you know the fact that he's worth well, who's worth fifty million dollars to play football, but. You know what I mean? He is in the bust, and they're actually getting him on the field, and he's playing well. And Steven Jackson is the best running back in the NFL that nobody knows about, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. St. Louis Rams coach right now, Steve. He came over from the Giants. Help me out with his last name. Linehan. He's your coach. Oh, that's Scott Linehan? Yeah, Scott Linehan. Who's the Giants assistant coach coaching? There's probably the, about Sean Payton or the No, New no, the, the defensive coordinator for the Giants. Linehan is at St. Louis. Well, whoever it is, then Scott Linehan, I apologize. He's your, um, right, it's early, obviously very early, but he's your coach of the year right now in the NFL. Well, people hand, you were handing out, you were giving Marion host of the NHL MVP after three hockey games, coach. Yep. Haven't changed on that now after five games. (laughs) I say, why play the rest of the 78? He's your NHL MVP. 
All right, uh, Big Dome, we got about 10 minutes left. NFL Roundup, wrap up, uh, outstanding edition. Thank you for the music, David Olson. If I start to finish, Big Dog, maybe the best day yet of the National Football League. There were close games throughout. I think the we've had better games maybe, but the depth of good games, I think yesterday was the best Sunday yet. Uh, that it was the best. It was the best day of the, of the year so far. There was a you know they did two overtime games, uh, Colts Redskins. Even though you know the Bears Seahawks, there was a possibility that the Bears could get the ball back. Obviously, it was much more difficult without the timeouts. Mm-hmm. We touched that on that earlier. Um, there was a lot of great games yesterday. You know around the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you can I ask you one thing, I'm not blaming this particular play in the in the Chicago Bears Seahawks game, but um, there was a Daniel Manning. Rick, Kick return for a touchdown yesterday, yep. and they called holding, and they got the number wrong. Yes, do you know what player held? Yep. Because when they showed the two replays, I did not see anything that, according to the NFL, constitutes holding, and especially a number fifty-eight. Because mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you, fifty-eight didn't touch anybody. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't block anybody. <laughs> Coach, I didn't hold. Yeah, you didn't hold. He didn't hit anybody, Rod. Yeah, yeah, no, it was number. You yell at the ref. You need to hit somebody, young man. It who, was number. You know eight, who it was? 88 it was. It was Desmond Clark, and I don't know if it was a legit call or not because his back was turned to the screen, so it's hard to see what was going on. But it was Desmond Clark who was activated for the game, number 88. What a critical penalty call that was. Well, the the, the refs had said 58, though, right? Yes. Okay, because I, I didn't – okay, they showed it a couple times, and mm-hmm. Bill didn't see it, but you thought, okay, just yeah. wondering. Yeah. Yeah, and I, again, I, I, can't, I can't say if it was a good call or not. I'll tell you what, brilliant return by Daniel Manning. It was. And I'm not sitting there like, oh, that cost us the game. Not being able to run the football cost us the game. Not yeah. being able to adjust defensively cost us the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm not going to say, oh, that play cost us, but that definitely hurt. That that hurt big time because, yeah. you know, they went from being a touchdown to the, the Bears had the, the ball to seven, and it seemed like, Another thing that cost the Bears the game, without a doubt, yesterday was the Seahawks punter, who was phenomenal, and then Brad Maynard, the Bears punter, who was absolutely abysmal. Yep. I don't know how they only lost by three. They couldn't run. They got thoroughly outcoached, and the, the special teams dominated, except for Devin Hester. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, I guess that's why they you know they lost by three instead of ten. It felt like the Bears lost by 25 points yesterday, not three. At home, by the way, against a, what we thought, anyways, was a weak Seattle Seahawks team. 58-yard pass interference penalty was one touchdown. Devin Hester's return was the other. We had one legitimate touchdown drive. It was a good one, but that's it, one. And so you're, the answer to your question is the 58-yard P.I. and Hester's brilliant uh, punt return. What, what, was the, what was the legitimate touchdown one? Because the... Because the, the the one that Matt Forte scored on that seven yard scored up the middle was well, that a was, uh, that was the end of the Devin Hester pass interference. No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So there was yeah. there was no legitimate touchdown drive by the offense in the whole entire game yesterday. That's a good point. Because we got what two was it field goal field? Wait a minute. Yeah, it was. There was twenty three twenty. So it's two touchdowns, two field goals. But yeah, Robbie okay. Gold getting it done. By the way, and. Just just a just a mention it to those guys. Uh-huh. Don't expect any kicker in the National Football League to make a fifty five yarder in Soldier Field on the lake with the wind well, blowing. You're down Dumb ten. Move. It was fourth and ten. Tough call. I agree. If it was a little closer, I think the right thing is to go for the field goal. You get the ball back. Go for the touchdown because fourth and ten. Everybody knows if you don't make it, now you're down two scores. Game over. But you're right. They were stretching it at fifty four yards. That's um. And I understand Robbie Gould made a 53-yarder the week before, but that was not at Soldier Field. Absolutely, Coach. Yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Big Dog, we don't have a lot of time, but uh, let's just mention uh, the one game over the college football weekend. Number one was defeated, that's Ohio State. And, well, we say this not often, but we've said it before, and it sounds cliche, but it was true in this game. Everything we so much love about college football, the atmosphere, the revelry, the enthusiasm of the players, it was all there encompassed in that Wisconsin-Ohio State game. Thoroughly enjoyed that game, and I wasn't even rooting for anybody in particular. Yeah, it was uh, the one game all weekend that I got right, and I was rooting for Ohio State. So I was actually rooting to get the game wrong. So, uh, I, you know, I want the the Big Ten to have, a, you know, a national championship. So I, you know, considering it's not coming out of Illinois, I root for a Big Ten team to remain undefeated. But uh, to be to be honest with you right there, it was just the pure emotion of the Wisconsin players that put them over the edge. It just seemed like they wanted it a little bit more. Than the Ohio State players in this game, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't because it wasn't like they, the coaching was good on both sides. It was well played. It just seemed like Wisconsin was just a little had a little bit more want in their play than mm-hmm. Ohio State on on Saturday night. Yeah. That's the only thing that I can break it down to, Coach. John Clay was very very good, but I'll tell you the backup running back. There's two freshman running back, two true freshmen. I think they both are in the Big Ten that are going to be NFL players sooner than later. One we mentioned him at Michigan State, the kid Leotis uh, Bell. Yeah, and this James White for Wisconsin, a true freshman from Florida, outstanding. I mean, he was every bit as effective as John Clay. Yeah, yeah you got a, this white kid. I'm not saying he's not a Ooh. tough physical runner because he is, but, yep. you know, Wisconsin right now has the perfect complement of, like, the thunder and lightning type yep. deal. You got John Clay, who is 100% bash you between the tackles. And then, you know, in the, when he comes in, you know, you got to put eight in the box. You got to make sure you gang tackle, and even if you gang tackle, you got to get a couple more pieces of the gang to the party. Mm-hmm. But that white kid, you know, he can run between the tackles, and next thing you know, he squirts outside and he's running seventy yards for a touchdown. Yeah, you know, and he didn't have like the greatest game in him, but it, it proved how tough that little freshman is, coach. You know what I mean? He was getting the real tough yards against Ohio State mm-hmm. all year long. He's been, you know, pumping out like the. You know, two-yard run, two-yard run, 80-yard run. You know, and then, well, this game, it seemed like he just kept getting three and four consistently. Uh, Big Dog, we got to wrap it up. Uh, I will be off, by the way, tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have a co-host in working with the Big Dog on Residue Tuesday. David Olson, great job. That's not a good day for me to be alone, Coach. (laughs) Big Dog, I'll talk to you off air. Great job today. Be safe and uh, stay out of trouble, will you, please? Talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic. We're out of here. Have a great day, everybody.